Consider this, 100% of owners will leave their business one day, but few are prepared. Are you? Don't worry, you're in the right place with this podcast, Succession Stories. Host Lori Barkman, the business transition Sherpa, guides you from transition to transaction, from building value in your business to letting go. Lori is a business transition and M&A advisor, specializing in growth, acquisitions, and selling owner-led companies. She's also the author of the Business Transition Handbook. Get your copy and learn how to avoid succession pitfalls and create valuable exit options. Sign up for a business transition newsletter at successionstories.com. Show us the love by subscribing to the show and posting a review. We appreciate you. Now, here's this week's Succession Stories with Lori Barkman. Welcome back to the Succession Stories podcast. If you're not already, please give me a follow on YouTube and Instagram at Lori Barkman. Be sure to subscribe to the show. And if you enjoy it, do me a favor and leave a rating and review in your favorite podcast player. You can help spread the word by sharing the show with people who will enjoy it as well. Now for today's episode. My guest is Matt DeFrancesco, founder of High Lift Financial and host of Your Business, Your Life podcast. I was a recent guest on his show and definitely encourage you to listen as soon as you finish this episode. Our focus is navigating complex family dynamics for business succession planning. How to have difficult conversations with family members, especially children, about their roles in the business and potential ownership succession. Family legacy and continuity planning are essential parts of the conversation. Enjoy this Succession Stories episode on navigating family business succession planning with Matt DeFrancesco. Matt DeFrancesco, welcome to Succession Stories. I'm glad you're with me today. Oh, glad glad to be on, Laura. I know we had fun on my podcast, so I'm looking to have some more fun with you. We did. And Matt, your show, Your Business, Your Life podcast is a great show. You're really doing an awesome job educating business owners. And I know you're going to do the same thing today. You and I have a passion for working with businesses proactively Mm -hmm. to help them in this next phase of their entrepreneurial path, which is succession and transition planning. Right. Why don't we start with you just telling a little bit about yourself and the origin story of High Life Financial. High Lift. High, excuse yes. me, High Lift. High Lift. You know, high that's, lift that's what's behind financial. me. Yes, exactly. That is what's behind you. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll give you the short version because it can it can go. But yeah, I did a number of things, you know, in, in my life. And I, I got into financial services when I was in my 40s and in my early 40s. And um I really didn't know what I was getting into, to be honest with you. I mean, I was like, I, you know, I was looking at businesses and, but I was still a little scared. And I thought financial services would be, well, it's kind of like you have your own business, but you've got a big firm that's backing you. And so I, I had a branch manager that he said, you know, after about six months, we were talking and, and he said, oh, you know, well, my dad's an attorney, my father-in-law's attorney. He's like, oh, these guys, they'll bring all kinds of business. It's a home run for you. And I'm like, Okay, whatever. So I get into the business and I go to my first day of production. I realize there's no money that's there. There's no money in my family. I don't have any rich friends, (laughs) which can be a disaster in financial services. So I knew municipal bonds. 
and I learned 401ks. So that's basically how I started building my practice was I'd spend all day calling businesses, family businesses, you know, do you have a retirement plan? Do you understand the tax benefits of it? Um, oh, you do have a retirement plan. Have you, when's the last time you had it reviewed? You know, you have a fiduciary responsibility to do this. And then at night I I call physicians and sell them UPMC double uh, A rated bonds at five and a half percent. So that's pretty much what my practice was. So I developed kind of this core group of these 401k clients that were family businesses. Then they became personal clients and then started, you know, started getting in more depth because I've developed pretty extensive networks. And I started to see some of the other problems that we're having within the businesses. And I was taking more of a, a, a consultative role with these kind of a concierge, as I called it. So I was almost like their financial point person. And then I could either solve a problem or get them to somebody and help coordinate the solution. And it didn't mix well with the big firm. So 10 years ago, I started my own firm and I was doing this consultative work with family businesses. And as we all know, you know, the majority of business, 60% of, of uh, family businesses are owned by baby boomers. All right. And they're all getting to be my age and they're all, you know, kind of going, okay, what, what's the rest of my life look like? And I got this client, I met him on an airplane, he had a collision shop, started working with him and we started doing family transition. This is before, I mean, I was kind of shooting from the hip at this. I didn't have any training. I was just going at it. We has had some success and then he introduced me to another one. And then I was looking at how do I really create a, a broader voice in a narrow market? And I started researching the collision industry and the demographic, it was like, perfect. I tell, I tell my clients that I didn't find the collision industry it kind of found me. So I started looking and there's 40,000 collision shops in the country. 70% of them are family owned. 12,000 of those are doing a million dollars a year and higher in revenue with, um, with about 40% gross margin. So cash flow was good. And I, I liked the people. They were family oriented. They're community oriented. They weren't, they weren't country clubbers. Sorry. I'm just, I'm just not a country clubber. I've just never been that way. We, we were talking about that offline here. So, but anyway, <laughs> I'm a country uh, yeah, clubber, so. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, exactly. So, but I, I mean, but yeah, they like to hunt fish, ride their motorcycles, race cars, that kind of stuff. And it, I just, I, I just like the people. So I decided to get into this niche. And then um, through the years, I, I was doing more and more of this exit planning. I found some training through a, a company called Business Enterprise Institute. And I got a C, uh, what's called the CEXP, Certified uh, Exit Planner uh, designation. And that's basically where I've been focusing my attention is really helping business owners to create transition plans, not, and, and, and a lot of times, not just even immediate plans, but even 10 years out, you know, helping them to build value. So when that inevitable time comes, we can have a successful exit. So these collision shop owners are the mm -hmm. folks that with, if you can see behind you, you're not literally sitting in yes, a collision that, that shop. is a backdrop. But if people are on YouTube and see that, they might wonder, oh, wow. Right. Okay. So let's talk about when owners are thinking about retirement or, or selling the business to someone, because right. as we all know, 100% of us are going to leave our company one day. Right. Many of us have not planned for that. When they come to you typically, are they like, hey, I got to do something tomorrow? Or are they giving you a little bit of a time frame, maybe a couple of years, five years? What do you see most often? So most of them I see want to exit anywhere between immediate and five years. And in five years is an interesting number because if you talk to most business owners, you know this, 
and it's the same is true in the collision industry. If, if you're talking to an owner said, when do you want to exit? What's the typical answer? It's five years, right? Right. All right. Why is it five years? Because five years is a time frame that seems long enough that they can plan, but short enough that they can see the end of the horizon. The problem is, is that because they don't have a plan, this becomes the rolling five-year plan, right? <laughs> right. Right. And they just keep, oh, well, in five years and then the next five years and the next five years. And and so they never really get a plan in place because they don't have any guidance and they don't, really don't know where to go with that. So that's typically where I see uh, most of my clients coming in. I'm really trying to get more messaging out now that you really need to be playing every move that you make in your business, even if you're 10, 15 years out, should have your succession in mind. Because I think if you're doing all the right things, it's going to make your transition much easier and you're also going to raise value in the business. I want to talk about hard conversations. Ah. <laughs> Let's talk about hard conversations with owners and their kids. You've yes. been so gracious to read my book. Mm -hmm. And we had a good conversation on your show about the concept of the buyer, who are the different kinds of buyers. And in your industry, what is most common? Is it family or is it third party? Right now, I would say what's on the radar is third party. And a lot of it's because you know, most shop owners have no idea even how to do a, a an insider transfer. Okay, you know, so you're seeing a lot of consolidation in in the um, uh, collision industry. You've got the big consolidators that are buying. You're now starting to see more pri private equity that's coming, uh, you know, coming in with money because they're seeing the cash flows, and the cash flows can be very good in the collision industry. But what's actually happening now is because of a lot of the messaging and a lot of the partners and, and circles of influence within the industry that I work with like the messaging. And they're starting to talk about, hey, have you thought about family transitions? Have you thought about key employee transitions? And that's how a lot of my business is coming to me. So typically, I'm working more on the insider transition with them. We always want to look at a plan B, and that's where I bring somebody like you as the M&A specialist to, to do that. We always want to have that plan B. And then sometimes we find out that a family member or key employees don't want it, and then we have to do the third party. So, But I think there's more and more people are now starting to understand that, hey, we can successfully do it. It's a lot more complicated than doing the third party transfer. Why is it complicated? <laughs> There's this thing called uh, family relations and emotions. <laughs> <laughs> Just gets in the way sometimes, doesn't it? Yeah, all the time, all the time. And it's really, that's probably the biggest challenge that I run into is the family dynamics. So it's actually interesting. Most collision shop owners grew up in the bit. They started when they were probably teenagers. Maybe they were even sweeping floors, uh, you know, sweeping the shop floors. And then they they build up, they become technicians, they learn how to work on cars, and they either buy the shop from the previous owner or they start their own shop. And they've kind of built this thing up. And all of a sudden, then they're having kids and the kids are getting older and they're becoming adults. And it's kind of naturally assumed that, oh, you're just going to come into the business. And they come into the business and... It's really interesting because I'll start talking with the family members and especially the kids and the kids will be like, you know, dad doesn't listen to me. I don't know why, you know, it's, uh, you know, I, I have these great ideas and, you know, we're always banging heads. And, and I tell them, I said, look, I said, what you don't understand is that this shop, they've birthed this. This is something they built from the ground up. All right. It is like a child. It is as much a child to them as you are. 
Okay. You have to respect it that way too. Okay. Because that's kind of their psychology. And I think once I start to get them to understand that, now they start to get a little more understanding on why there's some of the conflict and then it would kind of help them to navigate with the parents. And I also have to talk to the parents. I've explained this to them, but you've also got to be a little more understanding of where they're coming from too. I think the second big problem is that a lot of owners think that their kids have learned a business through osmosis. So they go out and they kind of throw them to the wolves figuring, you know this, I mean, I've been doing, you've been seeing me do this all this life. Well, seeing is different than doing. Right. You're smiling because you know exactly where I'm coming I've from. I've heard right? this challenge before. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So those are the biggest challenges is trying to navigate all of that and then just trying to figure out, like, what does this all mean? If the kids take it over, what does mom and dad want to do? I, I tell my shop owners all the time, you can take the boy out of the shop, but you can't take the shop out of the boy. And some of them are struggling. They start hanging on because. I don't know what I'm going to do with my my life. And that's really the first step that I try to do with them is help them to start creating a vision. And you illustrate this beautifully in your book about creating a vision for what you want your life to look like post-business or maybe even just going forward. Maybe, maybe you don't completely sell the business or maybe you're still involved in an indirect way, but what do you want your business to look like? And I use the analogy, putting the plan together is like putting pieces of the puzzle, okay? We just, we're putting a puzzle together. But if you don't see the picture on the box top, it's really hard to put the picture together. This episode is sponsored by the best-selling book, The Business Transition Handbook, How to Avoid Succession Pitfalls and Create Valuable Exit Options. Business owners will learn how to navigate the emotional and practical nature of the transition process to avoid exit regrets. It's crucial to start planning when time is on your side so you don't leave money or your happiness on the table. Reading this book, you'll have Lori Barkman, the business transition Sherpa, guiding you along the way. To download a free copy, head to thebusinesstransitionhandbook.com that's the business transition handbook.com today. Hard to let go. You just said it. People mm-hmm. may want Junior to take over. They're right. excited about Junior taking over. They think Junior's ready and Junior's saying they want it. But right. now the founder or the owner is not letting go. What do we do in that situation? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think, again, that comes down to where the vision is. So one of my um, one of my best clients um, he's got a very, very successful shop. He had his two sons that were in the business. All right. Um, you know, started and he had a key guy that was really vital to the operation. And, and the key guy was just, he's, he's, he's top notch. Okay. Young kid. He was in his, he was in his mid twenties. Um, just ambitious. Um, my, my client had kind of taken him under his wing as like another son. So, Anyway, so I had this dynamic going on with the two sons and then this key guy, and the, the, they all got along, but they didn't understand why, why the dad was kind of embracing the key guy more than them because um, and it was because he was just getting it quicker, okay? They kind of still grew up with the entitlement mentality that they had it. So um, just a lot of other family issues that were going on. We finally had to up having to, we, we sent actually the younger son, had him leave the business for a little bit. Older son just didn't have a passion for it. Eventually the younger son came back. The older son's now uh, has left the business. And it's actually been a good thing because we actually found that he wasn't even suited for that business, but he's, I was suited for, he loves construction. 
So we're actually in the process of creating a, a new company under the family umbrella for him to be able to run. And this is how we start to create family legacies. But the, I think the key thing was I finally sat down with the dad. He came to me one day. I was doing this seminar on uh, creating your ideal life and business. And he called me the day after. He says, hey, can I get together with you? And I said, yeah, sure. And he says, can you give me like three hours? And I'm like, all right. So we meet in this coffee shop in this private room and he starts just pouring out his guts about his marriage is falling apart. The relationship with his kids is terrible. I, I don't know where to go. Yada, yada, yada. And I kind of have a tight kid, tell him my story. I get him, uh, you know, uh, doing some things. And all of a sudden he has this epiphany and he realizes I don't want the business. I don't want to leave the business. But what I want to be is I want to be the 50,000 foot guy that develops culture. I want to develop people. And so that's where the transition's going, where the younger son and the, and the key guy are going to be the big operations guys. We're starting to work on uh, creating, um, you know, a, a stay bonuses plan that will include, um, include uh, stock to get them ownership in it. But what he wants to do is develop the culture of the business and his people. And this guy's got average tenure, 15 years. That's unheard of in the collision industry. Wow. That's a great story. Can you expand on the stay bonus with the stock a little bit? Is that a phantom stock plan you're talking about? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, so basically what we're doing is as we're building the business and building value and as cash flow increases, we're we're basically just taking a portion of that, you know, a portion of the excess cash flow, all right? Basically bonusing the younger son and the key guy with and, and that's going to purchase phantom stock that will eventually, depending on where it's going to go, it may just be phantom stock, but probably at some point in the business continuity plan that that will convert to uh, to true stock with voting shares and all that. So that's that's where it's going right now. Gotcha. Gotcha. Let's talk about key person transactions, management yeah. team or, or supervisors who are interested in buying the business, because right. I think this is common and not just collision shops, but other whether it's manufacturing or right. could be a service business. What are some of the dynamics there where you see that it's a successful case study? Do you have any examples to share? Yeah, there's so there's there's a couple, there's two different ones I'm thinking of. Uh, one, the one is we're working on it right now where um, the gentleman has a, uh, again, a nice size shop, no kids, all right? But he's got this key guy and that's where we're looking to have the transition. And we've talked to the, we're talking, you know, we've talked to the key guy. He's interested in, in, in taking over ownership. So we're looking to develop a plan for him to be able to do that. So a lot of times if there's not kids or there's another one a guy, and I'm just actually, we're just kind of getting started. We're just talking about this right now, but uh, he's got a, three successful shops and he came to me and he says, look, he goes, I know I could sell to consolidator and, and I get top dollar for it. He goes, but my kids aren't interested in the business, but my kid, my employees, I want to make sure they're taken care of. And so we're actually now just exploring ESOP uh, options for him. So again, with three shops and they're very successful shops right now, his cash flow looks good that we might that we can successfully do something like that. So I think in in most of the situations, I guess to answer your question, Laura. There's no kids or you have kids that aren't interested in the business, but you have good employees that would be interested in taking over. Yeah. So the financing is really a key part. The ESOP is a sale to the ESOP. Do you have any experience with the client where they were selling to an individual person? 
and that person was seeking an SBA loan or they were doing seller financing or something right. like that. Yeah, I, I I try to avoid the seller financing with those. I mean, if that's if that's going to be the option or the best option, that's okay. Um, typically, what we do is with the bonus program again, build value, increase cash flow, and then utilize that for the bonuses for them to purchase stock to a point where they can get twenty to thirty percent, then then be able to go to get the SBA loan. That's again contingent that the owner wants to fully exit. Okay. If he doesn't, then maybe it's they they keep a portion of it. There's been actually um uh there's one situation that I ran into where we had we created the, we, we sold the business to the son, but we created a, a a it was actually we created a C corp and formed a board of directors. And dad's on the board of directors as chairman of the board. And now, but it's interesting because this is this this shop's in in Detroit, he's living in Cocoa Beach. All right. And he just like helps out. Like they had to do sense. They had to do a census. So he was doing the census for the dad and he gets paid for it. So it's like, he's living his life. He could still have his fingers in it and it works out great. Yeah. That's good. Have you had any situations with clients where they had a tough conversation with the, with junior, right? Where they had to tell junior that he or she is not qualified to take over that they weren't the right fit. Yeah, that that was actually that the first example that I gave, and the older son was like that, and I I could tell immediately that it was that you know he doesn't want to be here, his heart's not in it, and you know we kind of we he you know the uh, the owner moved him around, tried him you know he was working marketing and sales, and then he was doing estimating, and then he had moved him to production manager, but his heart was just never in it, and finally you know I had to have a sit down with the owner, and I said, look, you can tell his heart's not in this. I said, what if we could find an option, something that he could be happy that he could be happy doing? And again, one thing I like to do is is and, and again, a lot of this is for liability reasons, is create separate entities. So, you know, I'll always, I always like the real estate to be a separate entity for the owner. Um, uh, you know, like in a collision shop, a lot of times they might have mechanical repair too that's there. Create creating all these different separate entities. First off, it helps from an estate planning standpoint. Second, it helps from cash flow. But again, if you have a family, like in this kid's case, he found he loved construction. So we're in the process now of creating this construction company that's just going to be part of the family umbrella, as I call it. All right. And so it's still part of the family and it works into this idea of family legacy, which that's really, I guess, if my ultimate goal, it's really about creating family legacies and multi-generational wealth. And how can we find spots for everybody in the family? And it doesn't necessarily have to be in the core business. Yeah. Family legacy is a, is a great topic and mm. so important. It's the legacy of the business. And then for the business owner, it's yeah. their own legacy and what's important yeah. to them too. It's it's good to get them to articulate that, I think, as part of their goals. Yeah, it really is. And, and you know, it's funny because, like I said, there's some mad money that's being thrown out there in the M&A space. But, you, you know, you've got to look at not just the money. You've got to look at what your value-based goals are too. And, you know, I'll start talking to a lot of these owners about well, what about your employees? What about your community? You know, you sponsor the local little league team. Doesn't that mean something? And, you know, it's funny. They start thinking about it. It's like, yeah. And realizing that, you know, you sell to a, a consolidator or a smaller MSO or, you know, a private equity firm. 
you might lose that community aspect. And I, I think what I'm passionate about, especially with family businesses and with collision, uh, a family on collision shops is that who's going to be more vested in the community, a large corporation or the family business that grew up there and, and raised their families there. What do you think are key success factors that need to be in play for an owner to exit without regrets? Without regrets? First off, clarity of vision. And you talk about that. I mean, just like I said, that's it, if you read her book, start there. I mean, that's just, you know, it, you really got to have a clarity of vision, what you want. And not just from money standpoint. I mean, that, that's one thing, you know, it's funny when, you know, when you're interviewing, one of the key questions they have is, well, what's their income number? But I think you've got to go deeper than that, what that income, but you want, need to help them create a picture of what they want their life to look like. And that's really, I think that's a big goal because, you know, money's money, but if we don't have, you know, we got to have all the money in the world, but if we don't have a, a fulfillment or if we're not fulfilling our core values, we're going to be empty. And that really doesn't, that doesn't serve us in any way. So I think it's really kind of defining the, um, uh, the, those core values that they have to help them transition. And then what was the rest of the question? <laughs> to exit without regret. Regret yeah. can be the things that we do. Then maybe we said, oh, we would have done it differently or things we didn't do. Yeah. And I think, well, and I think it's, it's that it's creating a vision and then, you know, identifying who the players are and setting expectations too, that, that, you know, okay, you want your kids to take this over, but maybe, maybe they say they do now. And maybe all of a sudden as the process starts going, it's like, well, wait a second, I don't know if I want all of this. You know, I, I tell a lot of my guys, it's funny, you know, cause all of them work. 60, 70, 80 hours a week. And we're, we're all baby boomers. And I tell them, I said, you guys got to understand, you know, we wear that as a badge of honor. Like, you know, yeah, look, at it. I just, I grind it out. Gen X and, and the millennials don't want to do that. They don't want to do that. So then how can we structure it in a way that, um, that they could still fulfill their goals, still, uh, still, um, make sure that the business thrives. And in a lot of cases, it, uh, it is multiple people ownership. Maybe maybe the kids have a core of the ownership, but we also give some ownership to key employees that have skin in the game. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I love to ask people if they have a favorite quote, something about entrepreneurship, something that inspires them. Is there anything that you'd like to share, Matt? Oh boy, I I got a ton of one-liners. That that you put me on the spot. I'm drawing a blank, but I think I, I I think one of the key ones, and it comes from scripture, is a people without vision will perish. And I think that's just so true in life. If you do not have a vision of what you want your life and business to look like, I mean, you're you're going to be dead in the water. You're just going to be you're you're going to be paddling upstream without a paddle. Okay. Um, so I think that's a key one because that's what I've kind of learned as I've, as, as I've been kind of doing, you know, getting into deeper and deeper into exit planning is that you've really almost got to start with that part. And that's hard sometimes because they want to know the mechanics. I want to know how this thing's going to work. Well, you know, you don't know, you can't, what's, what's Stephen Covey say? Begin with the end in mind, right? Absolutely. I think you quote that, right? I do. I love that yeah. quote. I think it's important. Yeah. So this is so to I, drop the mic question. Oh, okay. What's one thing, one thing that you recommend a business owner start to do in the next year to be better prepared for their transition? Yeah. A business continuity plan. 
I'm telling you, it's it's amazing to me. I, I, you know, when I was when I was studying for my CEXP exam, you know, we were, you know, I'm going through business continuity, and all of a sudden, I'm going, "Wow, I don't even have one." And that was the first thing I did. I started putting my own business continuity plan in because, you know, we all think we're going to live forever, and the worst thing that can shake up an exit plan is uh, death or disability, and that's. It's actually interesting because I was mentioning to you about, you know, so I, I belong to the uh, the Business Enterprise Institute, BEI, and they have their kind of seven-step process. And number six is business continuity. And I'm always like, nope, we're going right to the top on that one. And that's usually where I start all of my plans. It's It's a personal financial plan, personal vision statement, and business continuity. And that's usually the starting point for all of them because I haven't run into one shopper that has a continuity plan. And that's the emergency plan, right? Something we can't control if we're disabled or, or or we're passing away and essentially not able to serve in our in our business. And yeah. we need to protect the business. We need to protect our employees. So that's business continuity, emergency plan, you know, different names for it, right. contingency plan, mm -hmm. which is something in parallel to a strategic business transition plan. So I just want to acknowledge that. I think that I think you're spot on. It's yeah. really important. It will actually lead into that, that, uh, you know, that's kind of the framework that then you can build the, the rest of the exit strategy off of. Yeah, absolutely. And we've covered a lot of ground, but I'll leave something very open-ended. Is there anything that we didn't talk about today that you want to mention? <laughs> you know, boy, I mean, there's so many directions I can go with this. I mean, um, I think, you know, I think the biggest thing, and, and again, like my core business, and we talked about this, my core business is financial services, but um, it's, my real passion is about helping families to create, I always say lining businesses and families for multi-generational wealth. And I think the key is to realize, first off, you need somebody to coordinate that plan and you need somebody who is well-connected with other advisors. So like, you know, Laura, you do M&A. I don't do M&A, but I'm connected with you. So having somebody who's good, qualified, that 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 you can trust and, you know, you need the good business attorneys, you need the good CPAs, uh, sometimes business coaches, uh, life coaches, uh, therapists, <laughs> especially these family dynamics. That's right. <laughs> these are, you know, insurance brokers, um, investment bankers. You need to have a, a somebody, a, a point person, but that has a good team about them. And I think that's that's probably the most important team because I think I, th I think most shop owners try to go it alone, and that's where they drop the ball. Gotcha, gotcha, Matt. You've covered a lot today. Thank you Thanks. so much for coming on. If people want to follow up with you, learn more, what's a good way to get in touch? Um, the best way to get in touch, and, and I, I always offer this, I will give anybody 30 minutes of my time, free, just free, you know, no cost, uh, no obligation uh, consultation. You can go to my website, uh, highliftfinancial.com, um, and up at the top on the home screen, you'll see a Let's Chat. You can click on there, get on my calendar. Um, I'm more than happy to talk to anybody, and, and this is the one thing, because I, I want to make sure that I'm, you know, I'm working with the right people and, that, and the people that I, I want to work with. And there's sometimes I get people that just, I, I really can't help. One thing I always promise is if, even if I can't help you, I promise you, I'll get you pointed in the right direction. I mean, that's just, that's the, I, I want to provide value any, to anybody I talk to. So, I mean, there is no obligation, but again, that's the best thing to do is talk, you know, check in, 
let me know. You know, we can talk about your situation and then we'll see where it goes from there. Awesome. Matt, thank you so much for being with me on Succession Stories. Appreciate you. No problem. Appreciate you too, Laura. Thank you very much. Listeners, be sure to follow Succession Stories in your favorite podcast player on YouTube and leave us a review. Five stars helps the show get discovered. To learn more about maximizing the value of your business and planning for transition, sign up for our newsletter and book a call with me at thebusinesstransitionsherpa.com. Join us next time on Succession Stories for more insights from transition to transaction. I hope that today's episode resonated with you. What actions will you take as a result? If you want to grow, sell, or transition your business, our strategic transition planning process provides clarity and objectivity on the big questions that may be weighing on your mind. Make an intention and take the next step. Set up a complimentary consultation with me to discuss your goals at thebusinesstransitionsherpa.com. That's thebusinesstransitionsherpa.com.